Hello, welcome back to the Learning on Fire podcast. My name is Mark Taylor. This is part of the Education on Fire podcast network sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. This week we've got a slightly different format and a slightly different episode. I'm going to be chatting to Janet Allison um, and she's from Boys Alive and we're going to have what I think is a really interesting discussion about how boys learn, how boys fit into our education environment, and some of the things that we can do to be aware of all these things to really help us um, moving forward. So as a parent, thinking about how we interact with our boys, and also girls for that matter, and also as teachers, how that really impacts on maybe how we set up our classroom and how we think about our education. And also, if you are a child listening, thinking about how it feels when you're in that environment and actually some of the things which you might recognise like wanting to be moving around more and and doing education in a slightly different way. So I hope you enjoy this. Um, And this is my interview with Janet Allison. There comes a time in every person's life when you realise it's not about doing what you are told but doing what you know is right for you. Let us take a journey of learning and discovery with the world's most successful people who are living the life of their dreams walking through life using their inner wisdom and being of service to others. Forget exams, grades and test scores. What is your purpose? As we let go of what we think should be and learn from our elders to gain knowledge, inspiration and a true sense of who we are. What are your dreams? Does your life have meaning? Are you living a life of significance? Let's talk with today's guest. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor. Welcome as we spend some more time together on the Learning on Fire podcast. Today I'm talking to Janet Anderson. Hi Janet, thanks for joining me and let's explore the journey of who you are. Hi Mark, I am so happy to be here uh, speaking to you from Portland, Oregon. And my journey really began when I was a teacher and I had my university degree and I started this first grade class and I had a classroom full of boys and I did not feel prepared. I did not know what to do with their energy and their enthusiasm. And I very quickly had to get very curious about how boys learn, how boys communicate, how boys think, and felt a little bit dismayed that I had not had any training in my university in my four years of my degree program because this became the primary focus of my education as a teacher. And I started to learn about brain differences and communication styles and really began to adapt my approach towards boys and girls too. And it really set me on this path to become an advocate for boys. I've been working in this field for over 20 years. And, you know, if you look at any of the statistics, boys are struggling here in America. And I know for a fact in Australia and the UK as well, our boys are um, being expelled from preschool they're being sent to the principal's office more than girls. And this is very concerning because I believe that there is absolutely nothing wrong with our boys. It has to do with our expectations. Most of the early teachers that boys have are female. And so, of course, we're expecting boys to relate to us and behave from our female perspective and it doesn't work that way mark and you're a teacher you've obviously and you're a man 
So you've observed this with a, a little different lens. So I'm really curious to hear about your experience and and uh, have have those contrasted here. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting for me. Is um, and you're absolutely right. I have the experience of teaching drums in a boys school i also teach drums in a girls school um and uh, when there, there are two girls and, and a boy um our children living at home and um mm. and they're all very different individually but I, i'm really keen as well to understand exactly what you were saying in terms of if you have a starting point of understanding that just their difference because of their gender then it, it just it gives you a a better understanding of where you're even going to start to approach it isn't it rather than just having to do it one-on-one as these things come at you Absolutely. And I totally want to make it clear that every single person on the planet is different. And males and females both have these qualities that are hardwired. And when we can recognize those, and and so one of them would be boys tend to be more active than girls. They need to move their bodies more. They're wiggly. It's harder to sit still. And yet that's a natural um, behavior for them, yet our school system isn't set up to accommodate that. So the model of school is often sit still, listen, and learn. And that is absolutely not the way many, many boys are designed to learn. And I love that you're teaching drumming because that's just perfect for many boys. Yeah, they absolutely love it. And it was, it's interesting you were saying about the environment of learning. I mean, it's something I'm, I'm very aware of, sort of spending time in schools. But yesterday, I was at a, um, um, a lecture, uh, the Christian Schiller Lecture, which is part of the National Association for Primary Education over here. Um, and this particular lecture was about um, reading for pleasure. Um, and there was... There was sort of an understanding that, you know, there's the reading for pleasure time and it's in school and we're going to sit behind our desks and we're going to do it on our own. <laughs> and um, and we were just sort of talking about, you know, how ridiculous that is. And then they showed some examples of there was one child decided actually they'd like to sit on the floor. And then, then, then they suddenly made sort of like a beanbag corner. And then another group of children wanted to have a blanket, but they didn't want to be on the blanket. They wanted to put the blanket over the table so they could create yes. a kind of a den. And then some of the boys wanted to be out side and so the next slide that came up was a boy literally hanging off of a tree but reading for pleasure um and and it's just that having that freedom having that understanding that what is it we're trying to do here we're trying to help them learn we're trying to give them the the kind of environment to so that they can succeed in life and actually that that was it it was just just do it in a different way you know not just sat behind a table having that freedom having that flexibility but the net result is is that they were engaged and wanting to be part of what was going on I love hearing that. That is so perfect that we can open up our view a little bit and be okay. And those boys, that boy hanging in the tree was absolutely in his full on learning mode. If he had to be sitting behind a desk, his brain would not even be operating. So for most males, their brains, your brain mark is functioning is aware and awake when your body is in motion and that's why boys like to move their bodies while they're wiggly in school it's helping their brains work it's why it's you'll get more conversation from a boy if you do something with him so you go for a walk or you go out and play ball 
or you're even washing dishes together, but just that movement helps him find his words and um, attach his words to his feelings. And you'll get more conversation from him if he's able to move his body at the same time. I mean, that's a really interesting a really interesting concept isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm certainly aware of the um of the not looking directly and sitting across the table scenario of that kind of you know right. that the best conversations i mean this doesn't involve moving specifically but certainly in the car facing forward looking out of a window so you're not got eyeball to eyeball you've got a little bit more freedom but the actually doing something as well i mean certainly like you say um, playing tennis or, or doing something where you're just kind of just out and about and moving around that makes a lot of sense and I'm not sure I've actually heard it sort of articulated in quite that that strong before yes it's really important because the brain is able to he's able to think if he can move his body so that's just primary and I, I love that you brought up eye contact too because that's a place where we value eye contact. I don't know, I, every parent I've ever asked has said those words, look at me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> and that will send a boy into fight, flight, or freeze. He will not hear a word you're saying because usually we're saying that when he's feeling emotional or he might be in trouble about something and it's perceived as a threat. It's not that comfortable. And so when we can adjust our expectation as the adult that, oh, it's actually, it's okay if he's not looking at me right now, I know he's hearing me. And I've had grown men tell me, I had one, one dad tell me, I tell my wife if she wants me to look at her, I can't hear what she's saying. If she wants me to hear what she's saying, I can't look at her. So I tell her to choose one channel. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. And and I think the thing which I really, which really suddenly fills me with a lot of faith and a lot of um, inspiration is the fact that when you understand that you can set the environment to begin with, then you've, you've got rid of half the battles that you're, you're starting with in a normal classroom, aren't you? Because actually you're sort of, you're setting yourself up to fail as it were if you expect it to be this way or that way whereas when you understand that if you've got a classroom that's flowing which they've got some freedom and they can move around in those initial maybe five or ten battles you might have to begin with with a child you won't even encounter because they're already feeling they're not being threatened they have the flexibility they have the understanding that they've got a little bit of control which I think is a lot of the time that isn't it there is that kind of I'm the the young buck wanting to be in control of what's going on and actually having a little bit of of that kind of yes I'm this is me and this is how I'm going to live my life and actually to get rid of that mm -hmm. from the outset must be a great advantage well and everybody wants to be understood everyone wants to be seen for who they are and I think the biggest challenge comes with the teacher and especially the female teachers of being able to look within and look at their own expectations and bias around boys and the activity level of boys and that, you know, kind of in your face uh, response of boys sometimes and to bring in some strategies where he does feel seen and heard by you. You know, boys are really relational learners. They will do anything for a teacher that they feel like gets them. 
So if you as the teacher take or the parent take that extra little bit of time to, you know, check in on the football score from the weekend or something that is his passion, then you are strengthening that relationship with him and he will be much more open to trusting you and learning from you, being open to learning from you. I think this is great and I think for the parents and and children listening it's hopefully we've already created just a a conversation or a thought pattern or a kind of a little light bulb moment of kind of oh we're we're in a completely different world than we were um, just 15 minutes ago before I'd actually started hearing this and and that's what I love about these podcasts is just that Mm -hmm. ability just to go oh right that's completely somewhere I've not been before but now I start to understand because as you're explaining it it, you you can see the penny dropping certainly in my eyes as well just that kind of oh yes that makes a lot of sense yes and another piece that is really important to understand about most male brains is that there is fewer places to process words so boys don't tend to love a lot of processing out loud. They don't tend to love hearing mom explain all the details of everything that's going to happen that day. Boys tend to just want, just tell me the one thing that I need to know right now. And women, on the other hand, love to talk. And we love to process out loud. And I, I myself have been accused of asking five questions in a row without stopping. <laughs> and also asking, and women pay attention because what many women do is we'll ask a boy or, our, or a man a question. Tell me if this has happened to you, Mark. Um, that we'll ask a question and we don't get the answer that we want. So we'll ask it in a slightly different way. And we'll keep asking. This drives boys and men crazy. If boy says, I don't know, be okay with that, let it rest. Don't keep coming back to him asking again and again. Give him some space. And he may come back to it later. We have we have to realize that for women, we have a lot. We process out loud a lot, come to our answers out loud. Many boys and men process inwardly, and it takes time to find the answer. But it's harder for them to find the answer in inwardly and quiet when we're outside talking and talking and talking. That does make a lot of sense, and I can I I, I can also hear and see, and see lots of scenarios where that's the case. Um, but I, I do I have a question for you. Um, in as much as I get that as a in in principle, and and if if life was such that you have loads of time to process these things, then it would all work out for itself. But a typical example being first thing in the morning we're all off to work we're off to school we've got lots of things going on and there are certain things that just need to be in place in order for life to work a few hours ahead which is like mm-hmm. like you said it's almost the worst thing in the world for a boy in that scenario because they're being badgered they're under pressure they're having to do things now when it's actually about later um but in that scenario sometimes those things are really important so how do you sort of get over that that sort of um 
divide in as much as you do need a result or you do need an answer or you do need some sort of end game as it were but actually sure. not actually have them sort of up against the wall in that kind of emotional way or, or that kind of word way which you're saying doesn't really work for them sure so what you can do and it's up to us to adjust as the adults so it's the saying the essence of what you need to say so jacket appointment at 11 whatever it might be that needs to happen also recognizing that voice tend to be more visual than auditory so write write a list have the checklist there in the morning maybe you've got for the young ones you've got a picture of the three things that have to happen before they go out the door or you you write a note hand it to the boy schedule of the day whatever it might be so and every kid is different so you have to adjust but when you have some things that you know are pretty typical you can start there you can try there and recognizing the places where you do butt heads those are the places to stop and go oh am i talking too much right now am i asking too many questions and also really important to plan ahead give him a heads up if you have to have a conversation with him that might be a little um, emotional or challenging prepare him ahead of time let him have some time to think don't just spring it on him so it might be you know after dinner I'd love to talk with you about X. And so you have given him a chance, a little heads up, a preview of what's coming. I really like that. And and, and just that idea, I, 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 like to, I can sort of see the strands coming out, the idea of writing a list, um, a <laughs> note, which means that it can be processed at another point in time. You then don't have this, I need to know now, you need to be engaging in the conversation now because all the information is there it's on a letter it's on a note it's on a like you say just a list of things that you need to be aware of and it then becomes relevant as and when it does and and like you said it being the grown up and actually understanding it in that bigger picture world is um is really key and i think i guess wanting that to be the case is the starting point for us as parents or us as teachers is knowing that we can make a difference by our experience and our understanding of that Definitely. And, you know, the the place we want to land in everything is how do we strengthen our relationship with our boy? And if it means I'm going to make myself sit and write a bullet to bullet point list, that's going to help me stay connected with him instead of yelling or nagging. I'm going to adjust myself as the adult and and try that behavior and see if it changes the situation. Yeah, it's great. And, and, and I like the fact that it's a process and it's a journey as well. Like you say, you, you might try this way and it doesn't quite work, but then you can try another way. But actually, you're a million miles away from where you were when you, like you say, you were butting heads because you're just thinking about the whole thing in a different way. And, and I love that. It all sort of starts to feel much more free-flowing and, um, mm-hmm. and, and, and much more control, which, of course, is the thing it feels like it's a lot less of. But actually, you've got that understanding of, of what you're trying to achieve to, to help that relationship and to help everyone who's in that class or all the home or whichever it happens to be yes and the thing that many boys will tell me middle school high school is that they don't feel listened to so that's a place where we can stop as the adults and really really listen 
to our boys. We get so busy in our lives and it may be slower for them to find their words. So we, you know, we try to hurry them up and it's so much about carving out time in your busy life that your son knows that he can come to you and you are going to be fully present with him. And it could be as simple as, you know, if you're picking him up in the car after school, that you have the radio off and that it's just quiet. And you, it's kind of also just your inward gesture of just being completely open and heart filled there with him. And that you build that into your relationship from early on. He's going to make it hard. He will test you and challenge you on, are you really going to listen to me? Are you really going to be available? Because that's what many boys do. But to be that reliable anchor for your son is so important. And it could be as a teacher, too. You could be the teacher that is available, you know, half an hour before school starts and that one boy just manages to come into your classroom and he might not even say much on a particular day, but that he knows that you're there and you're you're willing to listen without trying to fix what's going on, without telling him what to do or having judgment about what he's talking about, that you can just really be that neutral anchor that feels secure for him is so crucial. And what happens when things get a little bit past that? I mean, I I suspect being in this particular frame of mind working like this probably eliminates a lot of the 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 stresses and strain further down the line but if you're still dealing with a situation where there is anger maybe between the the boy and the teacher or or the parent um or that they've they've crossed a boundary which really isn't okay um where 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 do you go from there is you then need to be firmer do you have have an, an initial boundary which is not okay but then you create the environment that we've been talking about to allow that to start to to dispel and to disperse i mean what what's your thoughts on that i think that number 1 we can say i messed up i you know said too much or I yelled too much that we take responsibility for our behavior and we're modeling for them how to do that. And I had a dad tell me that he he really lost it with his teenage daughter one day. And it was so hard for him to go back to her and say, I overreacted and I apologize. I want to try it again. Will you let me have a redo? And that we teach our kids that, you know, none of us are perfect. We're going to say things that we regret, as are they. So how will they learn to make that right, to repair that rupture in the relationship is our modeling of of doing that with them. And um, I, I also like what Brene Brown says. She said, um, try this, try saying the story I'm telling myself about why you're behaving this way or why you're not getting your work done or whatever the situation might be, this is the story I'm telling myself. Where am I getting it wrong? 
So you've opened that door for your child to say, well, you, you're not listening to me, you know, whatever it might be, but that you're there willing to ask, where am I getting it wrong? I'm trying to figure this out too. help me. And together, let's figure it out. Let's collaborate. And so he knows you're with him, regardless of what his behavior has been. Yeah, I love that. Fantastic. Yeah. Are you a teacher looking for support to create and develop music in your school? We have created Primary Music on Fire, taking the fear out of teaching by giving you the step-by-step skills and ongoing support you need. If you're a homeschooling parent and would like the opportunity to learn an instrument with your child on our five-day challenges, all of this is available through Primary Music on Fire. Go to educationonfire.com forward slash primary hyphen music and sign up to the newsletter. That's educationonfire.com forward slash primary hyphen music. We, we talked about you being a teacher and, and actually getting involved in this. So um, what which teachers do you remember from your from your sort of school days? And what was it about them that, that really sticks out? And I guess bringing it around to the sorts of things that we're talking about, can you sort of relate to some of your experiences to your experience now having been a teacher and, and from where you're now sort of putting your energies? Yeah. You know, when you have an experience as a child that is so opposite of what you think it should be, you tend to, I think that is, Mrs. Kingsley is why I'm a, I am became a teacher. And I was very much a active tomboy girl when I was in uh, primary school, fourth grade. And we were out playing kickball one day. And, you know, we were we were kids. It was the olden days. We used to just yell at each other and figure out the rules and who's doing what. And it was it was quite um, active. And I came back in after recess and my teacher called me up to the front of the room and in front of the entire class, she proceeded to tell me how bossy I was and I think my interest in language, I didn't know it then, but I think looking back on that, my interest in the words we choose and how the words affect our the people around us is huge. And so it took me a long time to be able to translate bossy into leader. I mean, we're talking like 30 years. I carried this belief that I'm bossy, which, you know, that doesn't feel good and tends to make tend tended to make me kind of step back from places where I could be a leader. And so I hear this that whole piece then I hear from parents who get, you know, that a call from the teacher or a note home saying your son is so aggressive or he's um he's acting out or misbehaving or disrespectful. All these words that we use and it is uh, studies have shown that the words used to describe boy behavior are more critical and more negative than the words used to describe girl behavior. Um, we have to pay attention to this. How how are what beliefs are we instilling in our children when we aren't careful with the language that we are using with them? Yeah, I think that makes a uh 
it makes makes an awful lot of sense and I, and I think that's it and I think for all of us I mean I think it's a running theme of for everything that we've been saying so far is the fact that it's being it's being mindful about what you do and what you say it's about being very aware of everything because it's those well they seem small things but actually they're massive things and really really important things and if you can be super sensitive to exactly how you come across and how you present yourself and how you deal with everybody that's the starting point for for everything i think yes and that's that place where we have to take a look at ourselves and our own bias about you know are am i a female teacher who likes a quiet classroom okay i am that teacher now what about my kids who need more activity more noise am i okay if they're not sitting in their chair am i okay if they're up walking around the back of the classroom and and being able to stretch ourselves and and build our um, our circle a little bit wider so that we can have every child feel like they are in a place that is suited to them. I have to tell you, I had a, a mom tell me her seven-year-old, so in seven seven-year-olds here in America are in first grade. He came home one day and he said, Mom, all the girls are perfect and I'm the bad one at age seven. Yeah. Yeah. So boys are so perceptive. They get it. They get it early on that the girls tend not to be disciplined the same way as the boys. The girls can be noisier than the boys. I mean, it is it is for us to look at our own our own approach to each child, boy and girl, and all the gender non-conforming children in between. Yeah, and there is that sense. Uh, it's certainly one of the things that I find sort of working in sort of two sort of different gender schools. You know, you have the one side of of like you say, wanting to sort of be strong and actually stamping your mark on things and then you also have the kind of just wanting to please just over everything just kind of you know wanting to it all to be okay um and um and, and it is an interesting distinction that and with, like you say within that you have every every part of the spectrum as well but as a as a general thing certain certainly i think from the girls point of view very often it's that sort of wanting to be good wanting to please wanting wanting it all to be okay um and, and it's interesting like i say from a starting from that understanding and that being a different environment from a, a boys school um it, mm -hmm. it's a really interesting dynamic i think yeah yeah and recognizing that um in a co-ed school you know everything that we do for our boys helps our girls too. If we allow more activity, more competition, that's all going to help our girls as well because they're, go they're going to face competition in their lives as well. So they might not necessarily choose that, but when it's offered and it's presented as this is part of the program, then they're also learning how to stretch their boundaries as well. And I guess also their understanding of, of how the opposite sex works and shows up in the world. Like, like we were talking before about the about the, the husband talking to his wife about if you do this, then I I can hear or I can't hear. And, mm -hmm. and, and actually, you know, like saying that co-ed situation, it's that kind of, well, I can see the boys needed more of this or they, they reacted like this. Or when when we had an environment which was 
looking like X, it worked in a certain way, and when it was looking like Y, it was something very different. And for them to be aware, um, either consciously or subconsciously, about how that works, then that's got to be a very positive thing for their their well-being as they grow up as well. Absolutely. And, you know, Mark, it's all about how do we understand each other better so that we can connect and be in strong relationships together that just moves humanity forward so having spent a lot of time in school uh, having actually sort of really sort of developed the understanding of, of of dealing with children both boys and girls um what advice would you give your younger self now if you were with all the knowledge and that that you have in terms of if you were sort of growing up through school or you were becoming an adolescent and and with the understanding that you have what advice would you sort of give your younger self now that you think would help both in terms of of your your emotional development but also your understanding of others you know one of the things i would give myself is to say relax and be more playful. Don't take everything so seriously. I think that is one of the gifts that boys give us is that everything doesn't have to be serious. So play a lot more. I really like that because I think it certainly as I as I get older I, it's still something I really struggle with but it's something I'm more aware of that you sort of you sort of go around the same sorts of cycles and then all of a sudden you're thinking that's not quite such a big deal that I always had it in my head that it was and mm-hmm. and um, and actually you sort of relax into things and you play you're more playful with things and, and you don't take them quite as seriously and um, I think to sort of understand you understand it but maybe also to give yourself permission that that's okay and like I say it may be that naturally as as a boy you don't mind as much but I think I mean certainly when I was younger I probably would have minded even back then and I think to sort of understand that actually it just is what it is and just just allow it to be and and tomorrow's another day and and I think I think that's got to be a very positive thing if you can find a way to make yourself feel that's the case yes yeah yeah but I think for parents too you know just relax and and be silly with your kids for the evening and the laundry will wait and the dishes will wait and keeping that relational piece strong is primary I mean that is what's going to hold them steady in their life knowing that they can come back to you always and you know I mean it's it's clear when you get to the end of your life what's important it's the relationships that, that that's that's very true and and I think I I really I really like that as a concept. It's not something I've, I've I've spoken about very much on on any of the podcasts. But I I did some um, volunteering work in a, in a hospice, um, mm. and the really interesting thing about about being in that environment is one is it's one of the most happy places I've ever been, which yeah. is the opposite than most people think. But just you know the 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 amount of things that you learn and, and the, the actual gift of being around people who are who are really at one with themselves and of course that's not everybody in that scenario but some of the people that you speak to and who are who are in that particular environment coming to the end of their life they really they, they really have wisdom which is beyond anything and and it what it does is it just sort of shows that mirror of that kind of you know what is important you know if this was my last day at whatever age whether I'm in my 40s whether I'm in my 20s whether whether we're at school and you don't want to get too sort of focused on it but if this was my last day 
what would I like to be doing and how would I like to be feeling and how would I like to be showing up and who would I like to be around? And mm-hmm. I think when you can have an essence of actually that's how that's the person I want to be. And like you say, you get rid of all the worry of the rest of it because if it was my last day, then who cares about the rest of it? Because it's just, I'm just going to go right. for it. And and actually, if you can do that just because that's how you want to be, then every day is going to be fantastic for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have the practical realities of life, but but it is a gift that dying people are able to show us that all of that other fades away. And what is important is looking into the eyes of your child, looking into the eyes of your parent. That's what's, you know, that's the the soul connection. And that is what we in our busy material everyday lives that, you know, we have to do all the practical things, but when we can really recognize that's the essence, that's why we probably wanted to become parents in the first place was to have that deep loving connection. And everyone deserves to have that from their parents and from their teachers, I believe as well. Yeah, I absolutely couldn't agree more. And I think, I think it's having that, almost bird's eye view of of, and like I say it is an environment it's an experience sharing experience that we have on a regular basis on a daily basis and I think if we can understand and feel that and and like you say have those connections with all the children that are in our life then then that really is like I say it's the blessing that we know that it is because when we when you can show up in the world like that then you you gain everything and give everything that you want in that sort of truly authentic way which is uh which is the most wonderful thing yes yes well said so just as we start to, to, to round up, um, we've talked a lot about how we can actually emotionally and understanding sort of support everyone in, in, in our world. But if you've got a resource that you'd like to share, um, which you think has made a really big impact on your life, and, and what was it about that resource that's done it? Well, I'll tell you what, I started about a year and a half ago uh, co-hosting a podcast and that has been, you know, I think as as podcast hosts, Mark, we get a lot out of maybe more than our guests, but as the Absolutely, hosts, we really, yeah. you know, it's so much fun to be a part of these conversations. And we've been able to interview some amazing authors and parents. And I, I just want to share that podcast called On Boys, Real Talk About Parenting, Teaching and Reaching Tomorrow's Men. Because, you know, I'm just merely a catalyst in that treasure because there is so much wisdom there. And so such a variety of topics, everyone can find uh, topics that are applicable to their lives and to their children. And so I would um, just encourage your listeners to check out that podcast. It It's anywhere where podcasts are found. And I'll include you can include the link in your show notes also absolutely we'll make sure we've got all that there so people can can click straight through and um Mm -hmm. and 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 as well as the podcast as well what sort of things have you got on the website which which can support parents and and children from Mm -hmm. there as well well i'd love to offer a it's an audio download and it is about boys and anger 
Anger is a big emotion for boys. It can be very scary for parents and teachers. And when we can understand, much like what we've talked about today, when you can understand the underpinnings, where is the anger coming from? How do I help him navigate this big emotion? And so I'd love to offer that audio download for your listeners. They can find it at boysalive.com forward slash anger. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you, Janet, for sharing your wisdom and allowing us to learn from your wonderful experiences. Happy to be here, Mark. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I just wanted to remind you that we have some free downloadable English and literacy resources that have been given to us very kindly by teachingpacks.co.uk. If you go to our website, educationonfire.com, and in the top menu, click on blog, you will see each week I've been putting a free resource for you to download and explore to help you in your classroom. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to chatting to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Learning on Fire podcast. For more information, please visit educationonfire.com and follow the links from the homepage. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.